Welcome, listeners, to the Thundercast. I'm your host, Connor Sanders, on another beautiful day in Cedar City, a fall day as uh, the weather starts to change. My guest this week, the illustrious Chris Kwasinski. Wow. Illustrious. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the nicest adjective anyone has ever said about me. <laughs> it's just the one that hit me, you know? Well, just felt you. right in the moment. Thank you so much. Chris is the... Uh, are you like the sports reporter, editor? How does I, that work at at St. George Spectrum? Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, yeah, I edit my own story, so I guess I guess you can say I'm an editor too. <laughs> yeah. So he works for the St. George Spectrum, covering all kinds of St. George, Southern Utah sports happenings. Yeah, high schools, Dixie State, Southern Utah, of course. Love uh, love coming up to Cedar City. Yeah, it's probably substantially colder. Oh god, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like most of my. Most of my wardrobe is sweater based, so yeah. like I had like this really nice rotation. And I couldn't wear anything sweater based in in uh, St. George just because you know it's hotter than heck. So <laughs> that's, this is how it goes. And coming up here, I'm like, this is great. I can come to Cedar City. I can put on a great sweater. I can live my <laughs> life finally. No snow though, so that's we're, still, we're getting there still. So um, you're a Chicagoan, so I can imagine it was a pretty big shock when you came to St. George and it's literally warm all year round. There, like I've never. I've never had a moment where I walked outside and I just go, ugh. <laughs> like, and there's been multiple times this summer when it's been like 100, 510, where I just walk out of the office at like 4 o'clock and it's still 105 and I just go, ugh. <laughs> like, I just feel it right here in my chest. and like, this, this just stinks. But now, like, I'm so used to that that when it came down to like even 90, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> I had to put on a coat for this. This is great. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Um, I was listening to this podcast with Bomani Jones. He's talking to Wendell Carter, and uh, <laughs> Wendell Carter bought this nice, like, two hundred dollar coat. Walked out the first day in Chicago, froze to death. Dude had to go and buy a new one the same day because it's so cold there. I love I love Wendell. I love Wendell <laughs> Carter. He's 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 gonna be a force this year for the Bulls. I tell you, he's just gonna be. It's gonna be great. Bulls are like a sneaky playoff contender. They're not gonna be the playoffs, but they're they're gonna be better. They're not gonna yeah. be what seventeen wins what they did last year. Well, I can't remember what they did, but they just weren't very good. I so. think this is step one of moving out of tanking, probably. Hopefully, a, a stride forward and not just another step backwards. Well, they're not gonna be good until they get a playmaker. They still don't have a playmaker. Sorry, Zach Levine, eat your heart out. Yeah. Who is the kid from uh, Cole White? from oh colby white colby white yeah it's funny you got wendell carter from duke colby white from north carolina you just kind of draw from both sides of the rivalry there (laughs) well marketing's pretty good um levine's showed some promise you know i'm excited to get into basketball season you know obviously the football season isn't what i dreamed of it so far being a bears fan being a Notre Dame fan. Everything <laughs> has just been just subpar. It has been bad, but it's just been subpar. It's just, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the reason I wanted to bring you on the podcast was to make fun of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not to make fun of the Bears, but 24-21 loss in, uh, in London to the Raiders was pretty disappointing. Oh, disappointing. <laughs> disappointing. It's the Raiders. You saw how hard they tried to give that game away. <laughs> you saw the like was was it the first drive for the Raiders in the second half where they called a pitch play, but Josh Jacobs ran a dive, and so he literally <laughs> throws the ball into the backfield. Like wh- where where are we going? It, and my and they almost screwed that play up too. If you go back and watch it, I can't remember who it was, but it was a linebacker or defensive lineman that tried to scoop and score it. Then falling on it. But then Khalil Mack comes and goes, guys, just 
fall on the ball. <laughs> it's really not that hard. But even the Bears could screw it up. They tried, but Clomac, thank heavens, we have this guy named Clomac on our team. Unfortunately, he just can't play quarterback. So, I mean, he might be better than Chase Daniel. <sighs> Look, I'm just saying. <laughs> like, I had this moment of revelation that after the Bears lost to the Raiders, we should just sign Kaepernick. We should just sign Kaepernick. There's yeah. really no reason that we should. Because Chase, Chase Daniel, like, obviously isn't cutting it. Mitch, who knows how long his shoulder is going to keep him out. Like, you just sign Kaepernick. you got a guy that can run. He can throw. He can make plays. His body's not, you know, damaged from football from the past, what, <laughs> two or three years? He's CTE free from the last few years. That, and he, you saw the last couple times he played the Packers in the playoffs, they beat him. Yeah. He can beat the Packers. That's all I want in life. Beat <laughs> just the to beat the Packers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a take that's gone cold, the whole Kaepernick should still be in the league thing. But it's an interesting point because, I mean, how much worse can he be than Chase Daniel? I mean, how much worse can he be than some of these other quarterbacks? I mean, for example, Blake Bortles was a starter for a while. Like, yeah. come on now. Kyle Allen starting games for the Carolina Panthers. And I'm sure he's done fine. He's won games. but The, the kid Falk from the place for the Jets, oh. terrible. Okay, so who, who would you rather play? Who would you rather, Connor? <laughs> humor me here. Would you rather start a mono-ridden Sam Darnold, <laughs> a Luke Falk, or a Colin Kaepernick? I mean, the decision's pretty easy. It's simple. Especially when you lay it out like that. You look at all three of those guys, it's really hard to justify. <laughs> look, Sam Darnold is what, like 90 pounds now since he had mono? Like, he lost all <laughs> his football weight. He's not going to be, like, I don't know. That's just... We'll see. He, like, I don't know if you listened to his last press conference, but he said, like, what's your objective? He's like, I just don't want to die. He literally said that. <laughs> I was like, I'm just trying not to die. I mean, same man, but, like, if you're playing football, it's not. That's that's quite the baseline. Yeah. I actually have uh, that on a sticky note next to my alarm clock. Every day, that's what I see when I wake up. Just try not to die. Just <laughs> make it through the day, Sam Darnold. Poor guy. I mean, you see, like, that's that's... That's good advice for just regular, like, everyday life. <laughs> like, you just, like, just don't die. That's a great baseline. It's really priority one when you think about it because you can't achieve anything else throughout the day if you don't achieve that. Yeah, you can't really achieve much else. <laughs> Are you a Trubiskite? Are you a Trubiscaholic? Do you uh, believe in him? A Trubiscuit. A Trubiscuit? A Mitchaholic? It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting you bring it up because I have faith in the guy. Like, the guy's only year three. Uh, he was billed as a project coming out of North Carolina. He's not as much as a project as Patrick Mahomes was. The only issue is that we don't have Andy Reid tutoring quarterbacks. I thought Nagy was supposed to be a QB guy. Yeah, but he's not Andy Reid. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Andy Reid as a guy that found a way to bring Michael Vick back to uh, Pro Bowl status. I mean, that two, that 2010 season where he brought Michael Vick in, and oh, I still remember watching uh, – that Monday night football game where Vic just demolished the Redskins. Yeah. Uh, I was I had Vic on my fantasy team. I was down <laughs> forty points. He scored fifty nine. That's incredible. I mean, I was one of those beneficiaries of the Vic game. So uh but still, like you look at Mitch, uh he's shown flashes. The game against Washington this year was pretty solid. I mean he threw that touchdown to Taylor Gabriel, which I thought was just one of the best throws of his career so far. Yeah. And yet he comes out and the Vikings just flat out just like hey just get to the blue tent you're you're done today well the thing with Trubisky in a vacuum he probably would be considered like a decent um 
you know, young quarterback. It's just that the names that got drafted behind him, you know, Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. I, I, they, okay, so Chicago media has been, this has been the crux of the matter. Like, if you walk into any newspaper or any radio station and you say Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, everybody loses their minds. Because, like, rightfully so, you see Deshaun Watson throw for 400 yards, five touchdowns this past week, and Mahomes, obviously, is the MVP last year. Yeah. But the only thing I can fault the Bears for is not picking Watson, because he was pro-ready. Yeah, he that was definitely his, like, rap coming out of college. But at that time, no one knew the Bears were going to trade for Khalil Mack and have a Super Bowl-ready defense this quickly. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, in retrospect... If Pace could do it over, I'm sure he'd be like, well, I didn't know we were going to get Khalil Mack, so I should just take Watson here. But he probably thought he had a few more years. So, hence, this is probably why we have Trubisky, and it was just totally fine. I mean, I have no problem with Mitch. People have said, like, he's a poor man's Alex Smith, but I think he can be... He's better than Alex Smith. I think he can be better than Alex Smith. I mean, he's a pro bowler last year. Obviously, it's because everybody dropped out, and they had really no one yeah. else to put in there except for Mitch. <laughs> but uh, if you're telling me that he's going to be an Alex Smith, that's fine. Yeah, he's pretty athletic he can move around a little bit if he doesn't turn the ball over then he just needs to be confident yeah I don't know he just you saw against the the Redskins he just started slinging the ball he started throwing passes he's accurate he just needs to get over that hump yeah that same draft uh, the Browns took Deshaun Kaiser in the second round so my my man (laughs) Deshaun Kaiser I tell you like he's the best quarterback I've ever seen in Notre Dame Really? Oh, yeah. He's the most athletic. He's the best passer. But Brian Kelly wasted away a year with him because he had Brian Van Gorder as his defensive coordinator. Right. <laughs> I mean, this <laughs> the is just... deep breath, dude. <laughs> this is just me. Yeah, this is just me holding gripes and griefs about Notre Dame football, too. So, Do you feel more passionate about Notre Dame football or, or yes. the Bears? Notre Dame football for sure, mainly because when I was a freshman in college at Bradley University back in the prehistoric era of 2012, <laughs> uh, there were so many good games that year. That's the year they went to the BCS title game yeah. and lost to Alabama. But like we're talking about the pit game where they should have lost, but the kicker missed a field goal and Notre Dame would end up winning. My dad was at that game and he was like having a heart attack. It was <laughs> awesome. Uh, we talk about the USC game at the end of that year, the Stanford game. Oh. I mean, game, I've never felt more in touch as a fan that year, maybe last year too when they went 12-0, but still the Bears obviously had this guy named Mark Trussman and uh, he wasn't good. <laughs> oh, actually, though, they had Levy Smith for that last year, but then they had Mark Trussman and then everything went to hell. So, Yeah, important moment in sporting history for you oh, then. Gosh, I still see that Aaron Rodgers fourth and eight touchdown to uh, – I think it was Randall Cobb because Chris Conti blew the coverage. I see it in my nightmares. <laughs> my nightmares. <laughs> of course, how could you not? I mean, Tyler Eifert on that team. That was a fun team. Oh, Tyler Eifert, man. Theoretic. I'm telling you. See? And it's all because the... Uh, man, Tyler was at the Heisman ceremony, dude. <laughs> Can you believe it? That's how good he was. Yeah. He should have won. But then people were all like, this Johnny Menzel guy is pretty good. No, he didn't. No, he's not. Like... They both panned out, huh? <laughs> See, well, one of them did. Manti's still in the league. He's yeah. Just, he's a good linebacker, good, not great linebacker. He's a guy that I would sign. He, he's just will forever be marred by that scandal. I mean. Not scandal, just, I don't even know how you describe that. But. It was just it was just a weird time to be alive because that was like, that was a terrible like two-week span. Notre Dame gets blown out in the title game. The whole thing comes out and you're kind of like, 
Oh. <laughs> Why now? We were just finally back to relevance, and yet this happens. But yeah, that's that's partially why it's more more passionate. Is just I guess it's just because the Bears being good is something relatively new. Yeah. But Notre Dame has always been on the cusp of that. You know, New Year's Six Bowl, winning a college football playoff game. Like you saw Clemson last year said Notre Dame was the best team they played all year, and I know they still lost that game. But I was like, oh. My heart. <laughs> I love that. Well, so when I was a kid, like the Braves were on TV all the time. They're always on TV. Yes, so I, we just became Brave friends in my family just because they were on TV all the time. Notre Dame was kind of the same way. All the home games were on NBC, so there was definitely a following for Notre Dame and my family too, but not with the same uh, passion. Which is totally fine. I mean, I grew up born and bred Notre Dame, Bears, and then I slowly picked up like Northwestern other stuff too. So Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks so much for joining me, and thanks for bringing the Bears talk. That was fun. Um, let's transition to SCU football. Um, let's. So the first thing we noticed, you sent me a message about this, and I've noticed it walking around campus. There are just X's through all the W's on campus. I think it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I don't know. What, did you, what, what were your thoughts on it? So uh, this is very similar, to obviously, to what uh, Ohio State does. With they cross out the M's. Yeah, with the M's. And it totally makes sense. Do you want to know why it makes sense for Ohio State? It's because they win those games. <laughs> it's because not only do they win those games. You saw it last year. They dismantled Michigan. Yeah. And, I'm, and I follow a lot of Michigan fans. Uh, shout out uh, Chris Herring, one of my professors at Northwestern. Phenomenal guy. But I felt so bad just watching Ohio State just run up the score. But, um, but he as in Michigan, not talking Michigan singular, singularly, but yeah. watching Michigan play, it, it was just, you see the hype around that team, and you, maybe they can finally beat Ohio State, but then they drop 60 on the Wolverines, and then it's just <laughs> from there. But that's the thing, though, is that Ohio State walks the walk, but also talks the talk. You know, they, they back it up on so the So what field. you're saying is that SU football does not talk walk the walk. They just do... It's interesting that they bring it up, though. It's interesting that they do bring up this whole Weber State rivalry because a lot of people say, no, it's Northern Arizona. That's the rivalry. But yeah. it's this in-state rivalry. And I, I personally love it. I like it if you play up the in-state rivalry. I think there's an opportunity for them to walk the walk this weekend. Yeah. Just because I look at Weber State and there's a few things that I'm kind of like, <laughs> okay. Like, they, they score what 45 points against idaho but give up 35 yeah they manhandle northern arizona they lose six to nothing against was it san diego state and they lose was it 19 to 13 in nevada Nevada, yeah so it's like this is a good team but now that they're entering big sky play like it's coming up and down i don't know what's going on in quarterback position for them i mean was it jake constantine is their quarterback was a starter but he uh he's been spelled by their second stringer a little bit here and there. So yeah. it's interesting to see that. And I hate two quarterback systems. Well, yeah, the whole thing is you either have one quarterback or you don't have a quarterback, but you say you have two quarterbacks, right? I mean, Notre Dame did this in 2016 and went four and eight. So that's my gripe against a two QB system. But I mean, the, it, the whole thing about this is you don't really know. And if you can force one quarterback to to make a few mistakes and then bring in the new guy in, then I guess you can say, well, he's going to play well. But it's just it's difficult to get an identity of this team. But uh, that's offense, though. Defensively, yeah. they're a great defensive team. Well, 
They have been, but that was a pretty disappointing result against uh, Idaho. Right, but th- that's why this this game against SU is huge for them because you can prove that was like okay, that was a one off. Because every yeah. defense can't play perfect every single week. Definitely. And when you look in terms of common opponents, Weber beat Cal Poly forty-one to twenty-four. SU lost twenty-four twenty-one to Cal Poly. Northern Iowa, they Weber State beat them twenty-nine seventeen, and then SU fell to them thirty-four to fourteen. Um, so in terms of components, I mean, Weaver is a top five team right now. They're ranked, um, I believe, number four in the coaches poll, number five in the stats. That's a pretty impressive team. They're good. They're There's no sugarcoating it. They're good. They're always good. They're always around that level. Um, and Southern Utah looked, I'd say, disappointing against Portland State. That's one way to put it. I mean, what is it, a 38-point first half, 37-point first half? Yeah, let me pull it up right now. I mean, in in th- and this is one thing that um, I, I had a conversation with uh, the Standard Examiner sports editor, uh, Brett Hine. He sent me a few questions about SUs. He's kind of preparing for the Weber SU game, and uh-huh. one of the things that I one of the things that I noticed as I was kind of answering his questions is like SU just hasn't caught a break, like just haven't it's caught true. a break. And you could say like, oh, you know, the SFA game, the Stephen F. Austin game, like yeah, they caught a break, but. You remember in that that first quarter they were the first half really they were dominating they were yeah. up 17 17 7 17 3 can't remember what the score was but then that tip pick uh that completely changes the complexion of the game yeah that pick six yeah and they're just kind of like wow any any other team you know that that ball like tips and goes into the ground or tip and just goes the other way but this one goes right up in the air and someone picks it off and i can't remember if they ran it for a touchdown or whatever but yeah uh but it was just, it's just like that kind of stuff. They just can't get a break. And the same goes against Cal Poly where they missed that 25-yard field goal. I mean, in special teams has been, that's where you expect to just not have to make any breaks. But for Southern Utah, it's been like the main cause of strife because you've missed field goals, you messed up snaps on punts, Judd Cockett muffed a punt last weekend. Like, it's just, you're shooting yourself in the foot every time. It's really hard to catch those breaks. Yeah, and it's it's difficult. I mean, they call it special teams for a reason. It's special. Like, yeah. It's special because if you do everything right, you're fine. But if you mess it up, like, you, more often than not, you're going to lose that game. And it stinks. It stinks, especially now because, I mean, SCU is pretty good special teams players. Judd Cockett was, I think he was... He was, was yeah, the second team All-Big Sky yeah. last season. Yeah, so he's a good player. It's just, I mean, just can't catch a break. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, it's really scary, though, when the defense just, I don't know if no fight is the right word, but um, really no challenge to Portland State. Portland State put up 38 in the first half, um, but they didn't even like do that much in terms of like really crazy diversified plays. It was just like, we're just going to drop back and throw for 15 yards every time. And if not, we'll just hand it off to this guy, Sergio Hoffman, who doesn't even have a 50-yard game on the season, and he'll just average, you know, well over three yards carry, and so will the quarterback who averaged 11.4 yards per carry. Seven carries for 83 yards, that's... Not optimal. Not op- sub-optimal, I'd say. <laughs> sub-optimal. <laughs> sub-optimal. No, and part of, part of that I kind of chalk up to the fact that SU's only had two home games so far. It's true. It's two home games. It was the same thing last season, being away from home, and then the beating your team takes from traveling and playing really competitive teams, it does leave you kind of scrambling. Yeah, and, and I think that's part of the part of the result of having a good team in 2015, 2017. You go into the playoffs and being competitive in that regard. But um, 
maybe maybe the next couple of years, you know, if you can maybe not schedule <laughs> Santa or South Dakota <laughs> State, you know, number three, maybe not schedule UNI and that kind of stuff. But you know, it's just difficult when you're taking that that beating and you're not getting confidence and you're not finding success on the field and flat I'm not catching a break. And I mean, I look at it like there is a handful of games of the second half of the schedule. I don't know if you noticed this. Too. Yeah. There's Idaho State. There's Northern Arizona. There's UC Davis. UC Davis was at one point like number five in the nation, but mm-hmm. I, they're two and three now. So I don't I don't know if they're still. Yeah, they definitely the, took a step step back from yeah. last season. So like that's that's my thing is like that's a winnable game at home. Northern Arizona is zero and three away from you know away from Northern Arizona. So like you have opportunities to really cash in to win a few more games to say look we're not a one win program we're not this bad program we just scheduled a really tough schedule. They also have North Dakota at the end of the season. Yeah, that's going to be tough, too. Yeah. It's it's tough, too, because as a player, I imagine you identify and your morale changes based on how you start the season, right? Because how easy is it to get up for weights and really give it your all after you're 0-4, you know, or you're 1-5 like you are right now? Um, but the team, you you really believe in their infrastructure, right? Like, Demario Warren is a top-flight coach. There's never even a single doubt that he'll be dismissed from the program because he's one of the best coaches that SU's had. Um, and he's had a lot of success. He's won the big sky. And you bring in a new defensive coordinator like Brennan Fisher, who's obviously very excited. Um, but you're right. We haven't been able to catch breaks. SU's uh, defense hasn't really um, been able to force turnovers or get sacks. So you you find yourself in tough positions. And then you're they're in such deep holes that little mistakes like the special team stuff really just cripples the team and then they aren't able to fight back in the game so yeah what, what's what's a little more frustrating is about the turnovers thing and the sacks thing is they have gotten more turnovers than last year yeah they've improved by leaps and bounds in that regard it's just you know and Brad Fisher I mean I don't know if you've you know talked to him much or if you've yeah. kind of gotten to know him a little bit more but he's a fiery guy like he knows what it takes to be good and he's played in the F- and uh, big sky played the FCS yeah, level Montana. yeah so he knows what to expect he knows what to do and you know, 10 turnovers so far this year. I mean, a lot of them, some of them, I believe, I can't remember who it was against SF, uh, SFA who had that, like, just like grabbed the ball on his leg, was, was flying out of bounds. Like, that yeah. was a phenomenal pick. Like, yeah. that's a great play. And you got to hand it to Fisher because, I mean, you have a guy like Carlton Johnson, a redshirt freshman who's playing a lot this year because Jalen Russell's hurt. Yeah. And he's come out, he's played really well. Obviously, Portland State, you know, it was kind of was a bump in the road for that secondary. But at the end of the day, overall, yeah, the secondary has improved quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so there's encouraging signs. I, I'm not ready to give up on this team. I really do think that um, a good result against Weaver, even not even if it's a win, but just a good competitive game, you come back home, you face UC Davis, you might be able to scrap your way back and toward a 500 record, which would be a huge step forward based on last season. Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah, these are the winnable games, and it stinks that they're in the second half of the schedule when you're already 1-5, but yeah. at the end of the day, like, this is it. This is your opportunity. Go take it. I think that also coaching staff, it's not lost on them that um, these results are disappointing. And I think that they, for coaches, it's easier um, to hone things in and try and fix things on your end. But inspiring the players is where then they'll have even more of a challenge. And I think that it's a challenge that they're kind of ready to accept and they're, they're willing to go through. And last year they went through it. Last year they went through this tough start. Now we'll see if they're able to take those lessons that they learned and bounce back against um, tough uh, opponent this weekend, but then a relatively easier schedule as the season winds down. So g- good uh, 
talk on SU football. Let's just transition briefly, maybe just a, a look around campus. Um, SU soccer dismissing Coach Fred Thompson a week and about two weeks ago now on September 29th. SU soccer is 0-11 so far this season. Only scored five goals thus far. It's been a rough go for SU soccer. So Mackenzie Lawrence also has all the goals. So Coach Thompson, I think, was a really good soccer mind, which is what they said in their press release. He had a high soccer IQ, so he's translated a lot of that to the players. Just in terms of at Southern Utah and its low major programs across the country, finding talent is so difficult. And the teams at SUU that have had huge success have found really talented players from weird recesses around the country, right? Like you think of Dwayne Morgan, who had to leave UNLV under some pretty um, complicated circumstances. You think of all the transfers on the basketball team. Now women's basketball is starting to pull transfers. You're pulling return missionaries. Um, high prospects from 3A schools, you know, that you have to develop into talent. And SU soccer, just for whatever reason, couldn't really find that groove. Yeah, it's it's a little difficult watching that. And I know in the press release they said uh, they mutually decided to part ways. But uh, I kind of look at it the same way as uh, you look at the softball team. You know, they dismissed their head coach too, but they found a really good JUCO coach that was willing to make that step to D1. Uh, Don Don Williams, I mean, if you looked at her resume, she's phenomenal. It's been like 500 wins at the the JUCO level. And this is, I think this is an opportunity for them to go out and find a coach that's willing to make that step, someone that knows how to coach. I mean, having a, a high IQ in a sport doesn't always translate to being a good coach. And, and that's frustrating. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Coach Thompson is a great guy. Like, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. And, and I, I wish him all the, and you wish him all the best. I mean, sometimes things just don't work out and it's a bummer, but you know, that's just how it goes in sports sometimes. But this is just an opportunity for them to go out and really find a, a good coach that's been there that can really take a tradition and bring it to a program. And We'll see how Don Don does it this first year. It's with softball, and there's an opportunity here to do it in soccer, too. Yeah, I, I really do believe that this is a talented group of freshman players. It's If everybody sticks around, which, I mean, players have not stuck around. Goalkeeper Brie Aldridge deciding to, I don't know if she retired or just left the team, um, what the decision was there. But um, looking forward to the future, you've got a pretty talented group of midfielders um, and decent defenders that can develop into good players now the question is, are they willing to stay and are they willing to work with somebody new to make those strides forward necessary? Because I think I think Todd Simon's the most well-regarded coach um, on terms of a national scale from Southern Utah. And I don't think many would um, rush to say that his basketball IQ is his greatest skill. I think his greatest skill is recruiting and making connections with players. And then that translates into that basketball IQ that he has. So interesting to see yeah and like with and you know Todd has a really good assistant coaching staff behind him exactly. too that can really help out and and but like you said like bringing in players like Jacoby Long from Iowa State I mean we're talking about uh Cam uh Cam a transfer too and yeah. uh, Andre Adams too so I mean like he's bringing in players that can fit just every single mold every single versatility they may not get you know 20 30 minutes a game but I mean hey this together a good team and soccer can follow that mold too yeah absolutely um and then we'll talk just briefly about women's volleyball here who picked up a good win um against uh sacramento state on the road really impressive win they had two five set close contests and then they got that win against weaver state last week get the win against sacramento state and then they lost to portland state and what was a 
pretty crazy fifth set. They face set, uh, set point like five different times. We're able to extend it. So nine and seven right now. This is the best record of SU volleyball in the last probably ten years now. They're looking towards the Big Sky tournament. It's, it's the same kind of thing we were talking about with soccer. You bring in Shannon Webb, who is basically a grad transfer from American University. She comes here, plays one season. She leads the team with 225 kills right now. Stacy Hone is a transfer from Snow. So you're pulling talent. Thea Tawa. the top three killers on the team are all transfers. So the diversity and the talent that you're able to collect here is not always like just find a good high school kid. The good high school kid becomes a good college player. It, we're kind of working with, I don't want to say misfit toys, but <laughs> definitely having to <laughs> find different crevices around the nation to bring talent. And even globally, you think of like Ivan Madunic, the plays on the basketball team from Croatia, Jassy Germanos from Brazil. There's lots of talent around campus, around the athletic department, especially from international sites. So Yeah, and I think that's it's interesting that you bring that up because when you look at how you start a team how you get momentum building in seasons and sometimes you can't get you know the three star because they're going to go to utah state they're going to go to utah byu every single yeah. time they get that offer they're going to go but even then if they see like southern utah it's like well you know I'm, uh, i got an also got an offer from another school out in california i'm just going to go there yeah but like but if you find these these talented players i mean shannon webb you talk about someone who's really turned around I mean really turned around the perception of this program even though it's just 9-7 so far yeah but this, that's a good like that's a good result considering the past seasons yeah so you can build momentum with a player like that you're going to attract the attention of those three stars and be like hey come here we're winning we find ways to bring players in we find ways to win yeah and with the basketball team I think it all started with Dre Morgan or not Dre Morgan Dwayne Morgan and Dre Marine you bring in these two players everybody wants to play around those guys right oh my gosh Dwayne Morgan I know getting a lot of attention so far uh, I was looking on Twitter and some of the big sky beat writers uh, other than myself were talking about you know who's who's in your preseason poll like who are you listing and some people were listing Dwayne Morgan as one of the top five preseason yeah. players and up with Jarek Harding with Weber State with I say Pridget in Montana one of the best um, defensive players in the big sky yeah. if not the best so I mean if he if he's getting his name up there, I mean, excitement's just ah, it's there. You just gotta go, gotta go take it. Especially like with volleyball, excitement's here now. Go capitalize on that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Had to sit. <laughs> hey, don't worry, I, I make up words all the time. <laughs> Luckily, I have editors. I'd be like, Chris, that's not a word. <laughs> um, I, and I lost my train of thought too. I had a good point. Stockton make it sound good. Um, oh, geez, what was I gonna? Oh. I think in terms of preseason polls, I think SU is kind of like a sexy pick right now Ooh. for basketball. Ooh, I like that. It's like sexy pick. Oh, I'm not gonna pick Montana again. I'm picking this rising team, Southern Utah, and Dwayne Morgan is like the key to that. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I wouldn't say they were my sexy pick. Uh, I I went with the I went with the the Golden Pony. I went with Montana to win the conference just because they're they've been there the last two years yeah Saeed is a great player I don't want to pick against them but at the same time you saw Weber State was picked to do that last year a lot of a lot of people picked Weber State to be the team out of the big sky but you know, I don't want to say that a disappointing season because I mean what they still have what 18 it, 20 yeah. wins that's there are some programs that would pay for that and I mean like I mean pay athletes for that but I'm just <laughs> kidding but no like like that it was a good season by them and that kind of stuff but 
when I look at SVUs, like, I, I could not put them in my top five just because I saw how the team finished last year, how they finished 17 and 17. They always play well in the Big Sky tournament yeah, too. So I mean, definitely. And now they've got they've got that big center that transferred from Illinois State that gives them some size down low that can yeah, spell, uh, that can spell Harrison, that can uh, spell Andre Adams, and I mean like that, like you've got versatility, you've got players now, and like you said, Todd Simon. He's a motivator. He's a good coach, and he's got a good coaching staff behind him. This is an opportunity, if I ever saw one, to maybe have the best season in SUU history, which Definitely, is yeah. nuts. So we, we did make the tournament once in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Bill Evans, shout out. Yeah, absolutely. Fred Monaco, you're a legend. Um, we'll see if this team can leave, live up to that same level of expectations, but I do. I think the feeling around the program, at least, is like it's tournament or bus. Like, well, that's what Cam said at the end of the year uh, after they lost to – I think it was Cal State Bakersfield. Uh, yeah, in, in the CIT. CIT. Yeah, shout out CIT. <laughs> that was some good stuff. Uh, that was fun. But yeah, like after the after the season, like Cam was like like no, nah, like we're gunning for it. Like we're gunning for the tournament. Like we, it's that's the dream. Like if you don't have that as your objective, then what are you doing in college basketball? Which is a good point. I yeah. mean, he made a really good point after the after the game and uh, in that year well, last year. I mean, so many injuries, so many just bad breaks for that team but now like if this year they can get a couple breaks there's no reason that they should not be in the top five of the big sky contending in the big sky tournament because i mean you see what other teams have lost northern colorado loses jordan davis i mean yeah that's a big one i mean at 23 points a game you have to replicate that no one can i was gonna say like unless you unless you just somehow recruit like or clone Jordan Davis or, or Bodie <laughs> Hume just takes over yeah, that, Northern Colorado. Yeah, Hume has a lot of potential as well. I, I think that um, in terms of depth, Southern Utah's this is the deepest team that they've ever had, and I think it's maybe the deepest team in the Big Sky right now. Because That's a good point, yeah. Last season, SU was crippled by Andre Adams falling into foul trouble, and then as good as Madunich is in terms of defense and shooting threes on offense, he's pretty limited. He, I don't think I've ever seen him dribble more than twice. <laughs> He just moves the ball quickly. That's what Madunich does. And um, now you have, like you say, David Ndaye. You can play Mason Fawcett at the five. Now you can play Dwayne Morgan at the five. And you just have a completely, like, different element. You can – this team could go 10 deep pretty I mean, easily. And like you, like you just said, like, there's a lot of versatility with the lineups too. Yeah. I mean, some Big Sky teams aren't as big. Some Big Sky teams are bigger than that. But you can play, you can mismatch, you can go through all this stuff. You can play small ball if you want. Yeah, you can definitely. play big ball if you want. I don't know. Like, and I think that's the that's the that's the thing we're gonna find out. And I'm really, I'm so looking forward to this game against BYU. <laughs> I am so excited about this game, just because I want to see. I just want to see how they play. Yeah. Because I mean, BYU's not gonna have Elijah Childs. So they, this, if there is Yoli Childs, Yoli Childs, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, but if there ever was an opportunity to break that 0-11 streak against BYU like this is this it. is it and if you start off the season with that and then you Ooh. go into two games where you have two new head coaches UCLA with Mick Cronin you have Nebraska with Hoyball Fred Hoiberg <laughs> I mean we're talking about like I mean that just brings flashbacks from the Bulls I, I just I'm sorry I can't 41-41 that's the Jim Boylan needs to come and whip in into oh. shape Former Utah coach Jim Boylan. It's Utah connections everywhere, man. Hey, man. Can't um, escape it. Before we close, I do want to talk to you about your experience covering the WNBA. Oh yes. And I mean, I mean, they're they played the game four of the finals last night at the time of recording. The Sun got the win to. 
prolong the series. So tell me about your experience covering WNBA, what you did and maybe what you learned. Yeah, uh, so last year, last summer, I covered the WNBA for the WNBA Insider, now called the Windsider. If you That's don't, such a great name. It, yeah, isn't it? It's so cool. It, and it's just a collection of people that don't necessarily, you know, get paid a lot to do it, but they do it for the love of the game. And I mean, yeah. Rachel Galligan, Arya Schwartz, two people that really have helped propel this this brand and this site into higher standing. And if you're not paying attention to the WNBA, like you, you're doing it wrong. Because I mean, and, and Fred Cass is the athletic beat writer for the Wizards, the Bullets, whatever you want to call them, in DC. And it was, uh, he tweeted during a preseason game, like, DC basketball's back, baby. And people are like, dude, the Mystics yeah, are in the right, finals. In the finals yeah. And, and it's this kind of thing where it's like you're not paying attention because the Mystics have the greatest basketball player in women's basketball history in Atlanta Deladon, whom the sky traded away. Just why? There's there's some there's a backstory there that really no one has uncovered yet, and I'm sure uh, part of it was Atlanta wanted to play close to home. She yeah. has a sister in Delaware. She's very close to, and it's if you look up the story, it's really inspirational. But Atlanta wanted to be close to home, but I think there's a little bit of a rift there too. Because Sky also had Sylvia Fowles, former MVP, former Defensive Player of the Year, yeah. probably the best rebounder in WNBA history, that they traded away too to the Minnesota Lynx. Um, uh-huh. So there's there's like there's some stuff going on that I mean, people haven't figured out yet. But um, but at the same time, that's what makes the league so great is that the Sky were able to trade away Deladon, Sylvia Fowles. Yet we're still really good this year. Courtney Vandersloot, if you put her on the Bulls, she's the best point guard in Chicago. Like, no, like seriously, she could play in the Bulls right yeah. now. I want her to play in the Bulls right now <laughs> just because the Bulls don't have a true point guard. They have that guy they signed from D.C., and they also have Kobe White, but, I mean, Courtney's it's better than them. Yeah. Courtney Vandersloot is better than them. I, I mean, I encourage every single person to watch WNBA game and just be enlightened because there's just so much drama. There's so much trash talk. People want to talk about NBA Twitter. WNBA <laughs> Twitter is also keyed people talk smack through Instagram stories. It's awesome. <laughs> but also, yeah, I started covering the sky last year with uh, the WNBA Insider, and I got to just be a part of the league. I got to see what it was like to be part of something that's growing because the WNBA is taking the strides to get better, yeah. taking the strides to grow. And then I really expanded my focus to cover it nationally. Um, I was lucky enough because uh, I covered the sky, Mercury, back in like June 2018 okay uh Brittany Griner gets ejected because she well the it was like a bang bang play like she was trying to reach for a ball but ends up slapping Steph Dolson and she didn't do it on purpose yeah but she has that reputation of being that kind of a big player like the biggest bodied player she can dunk like effortlessly so she's got that reputation of being a player that I don't want to say instigates. Reckless. Reckless, yeah. And and you saw that later this year, too, in 2019, when there was this huge brawl with the Mercury. I can't remember what team they brawled with, but there was a big fight. And people were like, well, she's an instigator. So it's not she's an instigator. It's just like she's just big and no one really knows how to stop her. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, she so she inadvertently slaps Steph Dolson, gets ejected. And uh, Sky win that game, and I go in the uh, the Mercury locker room afterwards, I talked to Diana Trossi. And I mean, I'm starstruck here because I'm like, Diana's like the Kobe of WNBA. Yeah. She's like, she's the GOAT. Like, let's just put it out there. And she, uh, and she's like talking to me and I was like, so like that, that call, what did you think? And she's like, look, there's only so much, there's only so much we can do as players. I'm just going to smile and laugh because if I say something, I'm going to get fined. But heck, I might just do that anyway. And so she's just like navigating yeah. this. And then Brittany Griner like comes around 
And I was like, oh, do you want to talk? He was like, no, I got ejected from the game. I got ejected from doing press conferences too. I was like, hey, <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. So, I mean, like the league is just full of personalities. It's full of talent. Yeah. And going from there, I covered a little bit more uh, throughout the end of the year. Uh, the Sky fired their coach. I covered the hiring of the new coach. James Wade is a phenomenal guy. And then uh, this year I was lucky enough to go down to Vegas for the WNBA All-Star Game. And that's yeah. when the USA Basketball and the WNBA announced this partnership, which is going to expand training. It's going to feature the players in a, in a new light that's really never been done before, uh, all leading up to the 2020 Olympics. And we're talking about like paying players to stay and train with Team USA as opposed to saying, okay, well, you have to play overseas now to supplement your yeah, income. just to make money. Yeah, because the WNBA is criminally underpaid. And, uh, and you ask players, they're not asking for a LeBron contract. They're not asking for $151 million. Just livable wage. Livable wage. Because, I mean, the, the amount of training, the amount of stuff that they put Travel, in to be, yeah, yeah. to be a top-tier athlete costs way much more than the average salary of the WNBA is 75 k Yeah. I, I mean, and sports are criminally overpaid as it is. They can just put it out there. No baseball player like Mike Trout. Like, I know Mike Trout's the best baseball player in the history of baseball. $300 million, good. No one is worth $300 million. Maybe like a doctor, like the best doctor ever in the history of doctors. <laughs> the GOAT doctor. Yeah. But still, like... <laughs> but, Dr. Drew. Exactly. It, but, but like, no baseball player is worth that much money. And in the, it's just... Part, but that's just part of sports. And the, if you can find a way to pay a baseball player $300 million, you can find a way to pay... Or excuse me, pay a WNBA player more than 75k. Yeah. And that's what I that's what I found out at, in Vegas. I mean, like they're taking steps to finally do that. And it's just so heartwarming cuz these players work so hard. They play so well. They're the best at their craft in the world. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I mean, well, it was also starstruck for me because I'm like interviewing Sue Bird and I'm like, oh my God, I'm talking to Sue Bird. <laughs> and I turn around and Megan Rapinoe is right behind I, me. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Oh yeah. She, yeah, she was there. I turn around and I'm Power like, couple. oh, that's Megan Rapinoe. And I'm like freaking out. Like my, like I'm oh, like hyperventilating. My heart's getting like palpitations. And then Diatros is walking up. She's like, yeah, yeah, let's do this guys. Like, this is awesome. We're going to do this. It was just yeah. so cool. And, and if you were like, if you're a young sports journalist, there's no better way to learn how to cover a league, how to be in a locker room presence, to do all this stuff, than to cover the WNBA because no one's covering it. Like yeah. no one's covering it. Like the Chicago Sun Times dedicated a beat writer to the sky for the first time I think ever this year, and it's paid in dividends. Like it's got a lot of traction. It got a lot of coverage. It was awesome. But I mean, I learned a lot just by being in a locker room setting. Like Skylar Diggins Smith once I asked her after they lost the sky like 115 to 99 i was like so was fatigue kind of a part of this because i know you kind of yeah. got late into chicago last night and she looked at me with this like this <laughs> like she looked at me like she was gonna maim me and she's like that ain't part of it we're not tired we're just playing bad defense and then like she's like throwing like daggers at me and like lobbing grenades and i'm like don't hurt me don't hurt me it's i mean like so it, but that's just part of the experience yeah. like i mean i was scared out of my mind just because Skylar Diggins Smith could take my lunch money any day of the week yeah definitely <laughs> but <laughs> but that's just part of learning and if any sports aspiring sports journalist wants to get into sports cover WNBA it's yeah. just, just it's just common sense it has such huge potential too because I think that the nation has proved that they can get behind women's sports like the success of the women's national team was incredible this summer that was one of the most fun things that happened was watching them just dominate everyone and Sue Bird said that in the, the penultimate quote that I had from my coverage of that was super, I asked her, because she was there. She was there when the, the women's national team won in France. Yeah. 
And I asked her, I was like, you know, you were there and everybody in the stadium was shouting equal pay. Like, and I'm just like, I was watching it. I got goosebumps. I was thousands yeah. of miles away at home. Like, what, what did you think? And she was like, it was something like, you know, it's on the tip of everybody's tongue. Like, it's equal pay is on the tip of everybody's tongue. And we know we just got to keep the conversation going. Until it finally lands, yeah. Yes. And I mean, come on. Like, you see Sue Bird, she puts on a mask in the playoffs last year and wins this, the WNBA championship. Elena Delda has a mask on this year. I mean, like, we're talking about players that are just scary good at what they do. Yeah. So if you're not like if like if you're not paying attention, I know it's a little too late this year just because game five is on Thursday. Yep. And Lena Deldon is fighting through uh, herniated disc in her back, I believe. I mean, back spasms with Ariel Atkins, a great player. I mean, this is it. Like this is what players aspire to do. And Lena Deldon, I mean, is doing it. She's yeah. Yeah, it's especially interesting for soccer because the United States doesn't care about soccer. Like yeah. as a as a country, we have not placed soccer as a priority. But then women's soccer has this huge evolution. I think that a sport that we love, everybody loves basketball. It's probably going to be the most popular uh, major sport in the in the nation in five or ten years, right? So women's basketball also can fill that niche, especially during the summer because there's nothing going on. It's exactly. way more interesting than baseball. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're going to pay attention to, like, what, game 60 of 162 game <laughs> season with baseball when you could watch Atlanta Deladon just smoke fools on a court? Like, come on. Like, Absolutely. There's, yeah, I don't know. It's part of me being a White Sox fan because the Sox have just done <laughs> But, But, I mean, like, I watch the sky and I watch Courtney Vandersloot make crazy good passes. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you have Steph Dolson, who's a great personality. You have Diamond Shields, who's the most athletic player in the league right now. Like and right now, like if you're in Cedar City, St. George, and you're it's in the summer, and you just want to be like, okay, like we needed something to do, go watch the Aces. Liz yeah. Cambage is phenomenal. She can shoot, she can drive. She Talk can about personality it. too, dude. Ooh, she's awesome. She's awesome, and the awareness she brings to to mental health and that kind of stuff too is phenomenal too. Like it's just these players care about more than just basketball, and there's something we can all learn from that, especially sports journalists, be it sports fans, because at the end of the day, people will be like, oh, why isn't so and so playing? Well, sometimes they just need a day. For sure. So that's and but that's just it. And I mean, there's no other, but there yeah, there's no other way that you can get better, just as a sports fan, as a sports writer, as whatever. You can go cover WNBA right now, or better yet, you can even cover the college basketball scene. Notre Dame college basketball. I mean, yeah. the, the women's team, phenomenal. I mean, we're talking yeah. about Rika Gumbawale winning the national championship with a three pointer to beat Mississippi State. I, I was floored. I just got goosebumps thinking about that video. Ooh, I just hear the I just hear uh, Adam and Min's call every single time, and I just hear Gobo Wale for the win. God, he just starts freaking out. I'm just like, raise my hands. Like this is it. <laughs> this is what successful support sports look like, and people aren't paying attention because why? We know why. <laughs> we know why. It's disappointing that we know, but. Yeah. Well, Chris, I am so appreciative of you joining me. We could talk for another 45 minutes, oh, I'm sure, but you got to call it here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Thundercast on another quality episode. Um, we will be back next week, and make sure you pay attention to SU Sports this weekend. Got a lot of home activities and then the big game against Weaver. Any predictions for the game against Weaver? You know, uh, it's a little difficult. I think uh, it'll be, what was it, the score last year? It was a 30 to 3, something like that at home. I can't remember what it was, but I, I think it'll be closer. I think it'll be something along the lines of like 30, 30 to 17. You know, yeah. SEU will they'll pick it up offensively. They'll find a way. 
Full I score feel points. like this is the game where SU will catch a couple breaks. We'll be up like 24 to 14 in the third quarter, and then Weber will pull it out at the end with like 27, 24, I think. That's a good prediction. Be like pretty that. close. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and we will be back next week.